0: And now here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning, I'm Linda Crater, and I'm so grateful that you've joined us this morning. We have an amazing show to share with you today about a topic that is incredibly timely and has gone on for far too long, and the more light we can shed on this topic, we are going to take that opportunity. We're going to talk today about human trafficking, and we have an amazing guest, Tina Kadoff will be with us today, and I will let her tell her story, and we will have a very vibrant discussion about something that is far too prevalent and harms too many. So we will do our best to shed the light in the dark corners. Tina,
1: welcome to our program. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: <laughs> we are very, very glad to have you. And as tough a topic as this is, I think we find these types of shows to be the most meaningful. Because, again, if we can share our platform to spread light, that's the greatest disinfectant of all. Yes. So, I mean, I yes, Well, I stand in awe of your courage. <laughs> so let's start with your story.
1: Okay. Um, this is always the hard part cause we have to dig into the ugly, but, mm-hmm. um, we have to dig into the ugly so then we can show the light and the positive that's happened. Mm-hmm. So, um, my story starts at my first memory and I was four years old. Um, well, I'll go back a little bit. My mom, my mom was a prostitute, so I was brought up in that environment at the age of four. I don't know why. I mean, I was little, um, I can imagine or guess, you know, why, but um, she sold me to the first man. Um, it was either for, you know, drugs or money. I don't know, but um, but that is embedded into my memory. So the first time that I was raped at four years old, um, I can remember um, just being paralyzed, not understanding what was happening mm-hmm. to me, um, the pain and... Um, just wishing really honestly that I did not exist um wishing that I would die at four um from that time on um it continued um off and on my mom was married five times, and so when she got married um things would would calm down, but she never was married long and, and then we would it would go back to um living the same life and that continued until I was about fifteen. And at 15, um, you know, there was always guys coming and going in our house. And sometimes they went into my mom's room first and then came into mine. And sometimes they started in mine and went to my mom's or or one or the other. Um, But at 15, um, my mom got involved with um, a man that she stayed married to, actually. And um, but I ran away and I didn't know how to live in in a their environment was not good. It just had everything had changed and I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I, I ran away thinking that I could take control of my life and do it on my own. But of course, all I did at 15 is run into the same situation. Mm. I ran into a, a man who just continued on my life. Um, he was a drug dealer and uh, very abusive. And um, I was used to that abuse, abuse of life. And so I just stayed in it. Um, The last time I was with him was when um, he had a gun to my head um, saying that he was going to kill me, screaming it, hitting me and neighbors heard. And they called the police. They came in with him with the gun to my head and they arrested him. And at that point in my life, I figured, what do I have to live for? This has been my life It's been my life all these years. There seems to be no hope. And I decided that um, committing suicide was my only option. Um, Tina,
0: can we take a step back for a second? As you went through this horrific past, I, I think we have to call it what it is. As you went through this horrific past, at any point, did anyone step in
1: to help you and tell you this was not the norm? No, and I, now when I speak at schools and stuff, I talk to teachers because I was in and out of school. Um, I had, you know, I had a truant officer actually come to our door um, looking for me and my mom answered and I could remember thinking in my head, oh, maybe they're gonna know and maybe they're gonna help me. And instead he went into my mom's bedroom. So no. she, she bought him off <laughs> and no one ever came again. And throughout, teachers would make comments, you know, I was made fun of because I was withdrawn. I didn't interact with other kids. I stayed by myself when I was at school, um, just in so much fear. Mm -hmm. And um, but nobody I mean, they would call my mom and ask for conferences, but my mom never came and no one ever went beyond that. So today I always tell teachers, please, please, when you see something that doesn't seem right, don't just assume everything's okay or it's a bad child or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. to look to look a little deeper because you don't know what's happening in their life.
0: Your story is amazing. And thank you for sharing it because I know that wasn't easy. I, I'm a guess that there's no one who stepped in and helped, but it seems as though you live sort of an isolated life. Is that correct?
1: Yes, I did. And, um, a lot of abuse, um, a lot of my mom, you know, doing things to me that no child should ever have to go through. Um, men doing things to me that no child should ever, ever have to experience and, um, really, really wishing that my life didn't exist. And, um, but I believe, you know, for me that, um, There was a plan for my life that I didn't know at the time, but I do Mm -hmm. see today. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, let's step back to
0: where you were at 15 and you decided that suicide was the only way out, which is understandable given your
1: circumstances. Right. And I had stayed with that guy for a few years. So I was actually older. And, um, and so I had why I I had all these drugs out in front of me to take, um, to take them and commit suicide. I had somebody call. It's kind of funny when you're 18 or 19 years old, you know how you think, but she said, did I want to go to our party? So I was like, sure, you know, I'm going to kill myself, so I might as well have one last, you know, thing. Hurrah, (laughs) exactly. And so I ended up going with her, and um, at the party, I still sat by myself. I wasn't really enjoying it, because I was depressed, and knowing that um, ultimately the night was going to end with me committing suicide, but I had a a guy come up to me, and um, he just asked if I was all right, and he said, I looked like I needed help. And I told him, no, I didn't need help. And I was actually not fine, but I didn't need his help. And in my head, I kept thinking, yeah, whatever. I know what you want and why you're talking to me. So I pretty much blew him off and he um, gave me his phone number. Of course, that was before texting and all Mm -hmm. those things. So he actually had to write it and hand it to me. (laughs) So um, I took it and went home. And as I was sitting looking at um, all the drugs preparing, it just kept coming into my mind to call him. And I fought that feeling and saying, why? You know, I don't know why. I don't want to call him. I know it's going to happen. Um, but I did. And he was surprised, very surprised that I called, didn't think that I would. And I said, I actually need a lot of help. And he said, would you like to have coffee? And I said, okay. And so I went and had coffee with him, which is really funny at a little cafe because today we own a coffee shop, but this, <laughs> man, um, wasn't like anybody else. He, after our conversation, I went home and he, um, had a red rose delivered to me and he said, um, don't ever let anybody tell you what your value is. You're worth so much more than you believe. And, um, and so we started dating, and we've been married 37 years now. <laughs> oh, my
0: goodness. That is an angel on earth. And, yeah. and what, a lovely, what a lovely way to, to put the coda on your story. Because what you went through, as you said, should not have happened. But this person and you, you're right. You had a, a different purpose. And from that period of time, you have been working. Does he work with you? Yes. the organization. Okay, we're about to go on a break, so I don't want to get too heavily into the the mission so I can give you time to talk about it.
1: But do you recall how long it took you to trust again? So even with him, I really tried to sabotage our relationship. Um, But he kept staying and he kept loving me unconditionally because I had a lot of baggage and trauma that I brought into our relationship. So it wasn't just like a happy ever after at the beginning, you know, Mm -hmm. it took, it took a long time. So for him, I, I really feel like it was five years where I trusted him. And then, um, he's the one that, um, once I realized he's going nowhere and he really does love me and I'd never experienced love before. So I didn't even know what that meant. Um, that's Mm. when the start of, you know, realizing, okay, um, maybe this is real and we can, we can do this together. And so, that was a slow process still. And still today, I still have some trust issues, but Mm -hmm. I've come a long way. And um, I did have therapy and we can talk a little bit about that maybe in some of the the other segments, but I did get therapy and help. And um, that brought me to where I am today. Well, the way you can talk
0: about it now in a way that is instructive, that you don't sound like a victim, (laughs) though you were, you do not You sound empowered, and I know that doesn't come easily. That took time, and certainly I'm grateful that your now husband spoke to you at just the right
1: time. Yes, I am very grateful, and I hope that's what you see in me, because today it's not about my past. It's the Life that I'm living to hopefully encourage others that no matter where you've come from, no matter what's happened to you, you can make a choice to live the best life ever.
0: Perfect. I mean, I I think that that's exactly what the the, what I'm hearing from you. And it is. We have more to talk about. We need to go on a quick break, but we will come back and continue our discussion with Tina Kadoff about human trafficking, her own experience and how she took that experience and created an organization to help others like her and how you really can turn your life around just when you think you can't and when the time is the darkest. This is actually a show about light. So we will be back after a break. Don't go away. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages.
2: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. For those of us trying to maintain our weight or even lose weight, holiday dinners can spell disaster. Don't let holiday dinners spoil your healthy lifestyle. It's okay to taste a little of everything, but be sure to stop after the first plate. Don't go back for seconds. It's always best to use a salad plate as your main plate because you'll fill it up quickly and feel as if you're eating a lot of food. Fill up on nourishing vegetables and fruit and take small portions of other food being offered. Be sure to drink lots of water during the day to give you the feeling of fullness. If you're the one cooking the meal, let somebody else taste test it for you. And don't nibble all day. By incorporating these few important steps, you'll be able to make it through the holidays with more jingle and less jiggle. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond.
0: Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion with Tina Kadoff about human trafficking. And Tina, after your experience, You use that experience to help other people. You knew there was a need. How does one start an organization that works in human trafficking? Maybe we take a step back and talk about how big the problem of human trafficking is today.
1: Yeah, so um, like I talked about in the last segment, it took me um, a long time to get where I am. I didn't want to talk about my story because um, at that time, there, the label was, um, child prostitution. So who wants to go? Oh, up? Oh my say, goodness. You know, say, I didn't oh, know that know I was a child prostitute, you know? And mm-hmm. so I hit it only my family knew about it. And, um, and a few close friends that I felt comfortable to share with. But as I went through counseling, was able to, you know, work through that. And then the new season came that the word was human trafficking and mm-hmm. through counseling, they said, you know, this is what happened to you, you know, at four years old, you didn't have a choice. And once that light bulb went on that I was a victim at that time, it wasn't anything I did wrong or in my control. I realized that, okay, now I can. um, And that's a whole nother thing about a story, how another young girl, seven years old, that was trafficked by her mom is really the reason I started sharing my story. But um, yes, trafficking is huge today. Um, the united states most people think it's in like cambodia or thailand or some other place but actually the united states is third for the most trafficking in the world and wow. most people do not realize that um the average age of a child that is brought into trafficking is 12 years old and um but that's the average so we mm-hmm. know there's younger and we know there's older mm-hmm. um of that is a family member, whether it's a mom like me, a dad, a brother, uh, uncle, but some family member, 43% starts in the family. Um, And then the biggest, you know, COVID hit us. Mm -hmm. We put our children online um, for school, you know, children that were never online before were put online so that they could do school, Mm -hmm. which made um, child exploitation go up 106%. So we are in a huge <laughs> place today where trafficking, our, trafficking of children is happening in our country like wildfire and all over the world. And I just hope that I can be a part to bring a light today, do what I can to help. Sometimes it gets overwhelming, you
2: mm-hmm. think,
1: and you even make a difference. This is so huge. But I have to focus my mind and say if I make a difference for one. And then if I can make a difference for another, you know right. what I mean?
0: And it adds up and it and accumulates, and you, well, we already, I will tell you, you are already making a difference based on what I've seen and heard. I, I believe as you talk about the largeness of the human trafficking uh, numbers, which sometimes can be numbing, people don't equate that to people, but when you start to think about young people whose trauma, because that's what this is, will affect them the rest of their lives. It's particularly heinous.
1: Yes. I, that's the heartbreaking part because people will see me today Mm -hmm. and I don't usually tell them my story. When I go to speak, they know I'm going to speak about human trafficking and Mm -hmm. I tell them the statistics and I tell them about human trafficking and then I tell them I'm a survivor. Mm -hmm. And um, then they're like, what you, you know, they don't, they're like, Oh, you're, you don't look like you're a survivor. Well, no, today, I, today I don't. But that trauma is still a part of me. Unfortunately, you know, there I've been able to overcome and be able to make a difference in this world, which I'm so excited about. But there's times I have a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I wake up screaming, mm-hmm. and my husband has to touch me and say, "Tina, <laughs> you know, this isn't today. You're okay," and remind me, "Oh, this is a dream. It's just a uh, not real, and I'm okay." And those things will be forever. I can't erase the things that happened to me mm-hmm. and neither can any other child. And so we have to look at that trauma and we have to know that, you know, um, like the police department and, and people who work with and maybe be the first responder onto a um, mm-hmm. skewing someone, they might see a drug addict or a prostitute in their head. But what I hope they'll see after talking to me is what they can be in the future if we will mm-hmm. just are at that moment and help them to be, make a change in their life. You've also pointed out the importance of language. When it was called
0: child prostitution, you, who would want to be identifying as that? But survivor is a much more powerful word. And so as this has become more prevalent, and I don't know if people know this, but large sporting events are key For human trafficking, Super Bowl, you know, big, big games, that kind of thing. Uh, Large gatherings, conferences are huge for, you know, human trafficking, young adults, even young children. And if you're not aware of what you're looking for or what to be aware of, you, you may have witnessed it in the past and not known. Tina, can you tell us... What are some telltale signs? Because I know no one wants to be leaving someone behind who they might have been able to alert or to help. Because the old thing about the Good Samaritan is people don't want to get involved. And right now what you see are, you know, horrible things happening. And people take their cell phones out so they can sell the videos. (laughs) But human trafficking isn't usually that obvious.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that's the truth. So... A lot of times um, it does get overlooked because, you know, we're so busy in our lives or even, as you said, on our phones, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, that we're not looking around us to see what's happening. And it's something I hope people will do is like, look at your surroundings, know what's going on, because you may see something and then you can do something. Mm-hmm. Um, I will give the there's a 800 number. Um, it's 888-3737-888. And I say it that way because it's a way for you to memorize it. But if that's a 24 hour hotline, and if you ever see something suspicious, you can call that number and you can do it um, anonymously. And they won't take your information. They'll ask you some questions, why you think it possibly could mm-hmm. be trafficking. And mm-hmm. they'll investigate it. They have to. And so you're you're out of the picture. You've done your job. You saw something. You did something. And leave it into the hands of the people who know what to do. But, yeah, um, some of the signs, like, it's, like I said, each person, each situation is different. But if you see someone that's young, um, maybe with someone older, Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a situation where a pastor actually was at a Starbucks and he saw a young girl with an older man and he said the way they were interacting with each other didn't seem like a grandfather and granddaughter. There was something that made his inside uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. and he, he watched it and um and he didn't do anything he walked away and to this day that was like five years ago to this day he brings it every time we see him he brings it up to us like why didn't I why didn't I call why didn't I do something and because he really feels it probably was a trafficking situation so and anytime you see somebody with a um, someone else is in control so another situation would be like Um, our barista, we have a coffee shop, which I'll talk about, but one of our baristas had a, a guy and a young girl with him. He thought she might be around his age, probably went to one of the schools where in our area. And so he started a conversation as he was making her drink. Oh, um, do you go, do you go to, um, the high school? That was the local high school. Uh, And, and she didn't answer. He did. He said, no, we don't, she doesn't go there. And then uh, he, he asked her another question And he, the guy answered. So anytime someone else is answering the question, which gave a red flag to our barista, he said, he called me and said, you know, I think something's suspicious here. And so he called the hotline. Mm -hmm. Anytime someone else is speaking for someone else, that's a red flag. Um, A suspicious tattoo, like a a bit, a lot of times I'll put them on the neck. um, So that other our uh, traffickers and pimps will know that that's their property. So it'll say something like a, a pro- it's their property, even a barcode. Um, oh, if you see that, because that's called branding. So they brand their they brand their girls um, or guys um, so that people will know it's their property. And actually, there was a, a situation in Tampa where a girl had a barcode and um, under investigation, she was at a, a convenience store, and the guy a guy went up um, behind her with his phone and scanned her barcode, and it brought up the number of how much she was for him mm-hmm. to have. That's
0: the purpose of the barcode? It's a QR yeah. code?
1: Yep. Uh, this is quite sophisticated, isn't it? Very. It's beyond. There's people in high places that are involved. It's a $34 billion industry, so... Mm-hmm. We know that, you know, people can't do this on their own. There's people that are helping to keep it going.
0: Well, and there are people who are working to uncover it, you among them. Yes. Uh, I know one of my veterans, a former SEAL, works for an organization that does this as well and has gotten involved at the very high levels because this goes up where there's money and power and greed.
1: Yes. Yes. We know that with... um, on yes. Yes. Thank you. Well, We sure. know that with Esteem, you know, all the money he had and what he did with it. So we know there's power and money behind, um, you know, what's, what's happening with this.
0: Oh, oh, there absolutely is. And when some of these rings are brought down, unfortunately, others rise to take their place because it is so lucrative and COVID actually made it worse. Yes. Because people fell into horrible habits that then escalated into things they might not have done otherwise, or they could do it
1: because things were different. Right, because people were more secluded, and so people weren't watching. You know, like in the schools, that's one thing. Um, we have counselors and teachers that will spot things at times right. and you can turn that in. But with them not going to school, there was nobody looking out for those children. And then they also could be with their abuser where they got some time away from their abuser, you know. Well, and, and everybody was worried about school lunches
0: and domestic violence, for sure. I don't think I ever heard anyone mention the possibility of trafficking because of COVID and the school's out, just like you just did. It, yes. it, it, I mean, that is not a prevalent thought that was being circulated during that time period. That is horrifying.
1: Yes. Again,
0: I'm coming back. I have to find some more words because that is just <laughs> yes. not um, explanatory enough. So those are great tips to, to keep an eye on. And that number, again, is 888-3737- 888. Mm -hmm. That is a good way to remember it because I
1: did. (laughs) You you (laughs) can memorize it right away. Put it in your phone. So if you ever come across something, you know, your audience put it in your phone so you never have to try to remember it.
0: No, I think it's an excellent, uh, excellent um, advice. That's perfect. We're going to go on a break and we'll return. And when we come back, we will talk with Tina about how her work began how she started to work with these young women and families and children to make their lives better again again to show the light in the darkness and that you can indeed recover after such a difficult beginning trauma is trauma but this is particularly deep and it's hard to undo as she will also share after the break and it's never truly gone so thank you again we will go on a quick break i promise you we'll be right back and we're continuing our conversation with tina kadolf of lovemissions.net which works against helping works against human trafficking we'll be right back We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages.
3: It's words you never heard. If you're like me, every year you wonder how you're going to dispose of your live Christmas tree. In the desert climate around Reno, Nevada, Christmas trees that are left outside won't decompose. They will just get drier and drier, eventually becoming a serious fire hazard. Vince Thomas, the founder of Goat Grazers, a goat herding business, is now using his 40 goats to help recycle Christmas trees. Hey, I'm not kidding. We all know goats are known to eat just about anything. Thomas used dendrology, or the study of trees, to discover the trees are a natural dewormer for goats, and the pine is very high in vitamin C, so it's healthy for them as well. What's a word for the pine needles that fall off a Christmas tree? diddle D's. It's Words You Never Heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and for more Words You Never Heard, check out my podcast at wordsyouneverheard.com. It's Words You Never Heard. Did you hear about the Ohio woman who received three speeding tickets in one hour? Three different officers had no idea that within an hour, they had all pulled over the same woman driving random tandem down the road. She was first pulled over for speeding at 11.40 p.m. About 10 minutes later, another officer stopped her for speeding wiki wiki again on the same road. Less than an hour later, she was pulled over for the third time. In each case, she was driving a bit ramstam or reckless at more than 50 miles per hour in a 35 mile per hour zone. Oddly enough, she hadn't had a speeding ticket for six years. She explained each time that she just wasn't paying attention. I guess the third time wasn't a charm. What's another word for not paying attention? Traddleoxing. It's words you words. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back. We're continuing our conversation with Tina Kadoff. I was telling Tina during the break that my cousin did a senior thesis on human trafficking five miles away from where we live. And I think people are under the assumption that this is in shady areas, weird spots, it's isolated. But Tina, tell us, does it take place just about everywhere?
1: Yes, it does. So in my home, Um, you know, our neighborhood wasn't the best. We lived in a house, but it wasn't the best neighborhood. But there were still people who had to see people coming and going and never said anything. But today it's escalated. And actually, because the people that are running these rings have a lot of money, they're in very wealthy neighborhoods. So they're in your $1 million neighborhoods. And they're everywhere. They could be in your normal average, you know, neighborhood that you would um, where your families are going to school and catching the bus and everything's just normal and happy but you might have a neighbor that you see don't see very often or there's weird things that are happening Um, sometimes late at night maybe more people come than they do during the day and there's just things that you could be watching for because it literally is happening in every neighborhood and it doesn't matter what um if you're rich or if you're poor or what it is they they have the money to be anywhere anywhere at any time at any time yes because
0: and so you, we, you so hear like, about things like Lolita Island or the Lolita Express i guess and and whatever Epstein's petto island i think they called it um
1: it's not just girls either no it does happen to boys and we're getting to hear a little bit more about boys i think Um, girls, you know, normally have, are easier to, to start sharing than boys do. So I think it's a, a male thing where they're afraid to how people are going to look at them just like Mm -hmm. I was because Mm -hmm. it was child prostitution with boys to say that you were raped, you weren't in control of yourself is sometimes hard for males to do. So it's coming out more and more. I know it's happening probably more than we have the statistics to show it. Oh, clearly. I, it's it's like a tip of the iceberg from everything that I've read
0: and spoken to other people about. And as you say, it's in every neighborhood. There's a lot of um, dark behavior that goes on, and it doesn't always come out to the light. And if you're a consenting adult, that's a very different thing than what we're talking about with human trafficking. And We are also seeing it now with the border crossings. What's the number on the border crossing? Something like 50 or 60% of the women and girls
1: have been raped on the way.
0: Something something
1: like that. I actually just got back from um, Arizona. I was working on the reservation and, Mm -hmm. um, I stayed at a hotel in Phoenix on the way, you know, before we came home Mm -hmm. and, um, I had a guy that was part of the border wall and working on it. And of course they're not working on it right now, but they still are being paid to be there for the moment. And so he was saying that their workers are just there and they see like 400 people a day coming through one little crack in the border. And he said, um, 90% of them are 16 and younger. So what mm-hmm. is happening to them? You know, what we know they're being taken advantage of, and this is just going to escalate the crisis of what we already have.
0: Absolutely. And it's going to strain the resources, and it affects those Border Patrol who are watching something that they don't have the
1: power to stop. Yeah. Yeah, it's, ter- it's a terrible situation all the way around.
0: It absolutely is. So as you looked at this, and, and you walked through to survivorship as you did, so obviously successfully. What started your organization? You said a seven-year-old.
1: Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, I actually started the organization um, in 2000, and it was before I was sharing about my story, but I knew I wanted to help people who felt like they had no value or hope mm-hmm. like I did. And so it started out humanitarian by going and bringing things, food and clothing and doing things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I was on one of those trips, um, I had a young girl come up to me. Um, we, She was uh, 13 years old at the time. Um, And I had, she had been brought to me and um, because she had tried to kill herself. And Mm -hmm. so when I started talking to her, she shared with me that her mom had sold her to a man that was in her fifties, his fifties and um, for 25 American dollars. This was not in our country, but 25 American dollars. And so she had been his sex slave and slave. She had to do whatever he wanted. She wasn't allowed to go to school. She um, was just enslaved to this man. And when I met her at 13, um, he had passed away. And that was the only way reason she was free. And she was at that breaking point like I was where Mm -hmm. she just felt she had no hope and no future. And so I was able to sit down with her and tell her, no, I know that there's a plan for her life. And for me, you know, I, I believe God was intervened into my life. And so Mm -hmm. I had told her the same thing, you know, that I believe there was a, a, a big plan for her life and that I felt exactly where she was. And so to kind of make the story short, we were able to get her in a safe place. We got her education um, and today, today, it's so amazing today, she's a business owner also, and she <laughs> is living an amazing life. And I get to go see her all the time because we have a safe house where she lives. But um, she helps me in with the safe house and so many other things. But she's a strong, powerful girl. And so at that moment, when I saw my story impact her life at 13 years old, that's when I knew, okay maybe I need to share my story because if it can help this one little girl, maybe it can help many others. And that was really the turning point for me.
0: That's amazing. So you went from humanitarian help to talk about what you do now. You help rehab people. You help them to understand their value and their worth. Does this involve counseling, outside resources, Talk a little bit about what it is you're sharing,
1: doing, and empowering. Okay, so today we um, have the safe house um, Mm -hmm. where the little girl I told you about is. We have a safe house that we um, rescued. Little girls ages 4 to 11 are in our home. We're rehabilitating and getting them to be loved and have a future life. And then, um, here locally we have, um, in Florida, we have a coffee shop called pallet coffee brewery where our profits go into love missions, our 501 C three, so that mm-hmm. we can help us to do the work we're doing. We opened last year during COVID, not a very good, um, time but... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I
0: mean, for COVID, I should say, well, I just um... wanted one more hill for you to climb, yeah.
1: <laughs> but we opened an ice cream shop, um, and in the back of that ice cream shop is a commercial kitchen, and we're teaching survivors culinary, um, baking, and cake decorating. Uh-huh. Um, we have a roastery that supplies our coffee, and we also have a life center. And in that life center, it's called the Bridge, Bridging People from Pain to Purpose. And in the um, life center, we are teaching um you know, all the all work skills, res, how to fill out a resume, how to dress, just everything that they need to to have success in life. If they want to go back to school, we can get them scholarships. If they um, we have art therapy where because that's what helped me through my mm-hmm. time. I know art, all whatever kind of art they want, whether it be drama or music or mm-hmm. uh, making jewelry or sewing, whatever it is, we, we are helping them define what they want. Because sometimes they don't even know. I know I didn't when I was young. Um, if people would have asked me, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? I would have thought I'm never going to grow up. I'll be dead before I'm an adult. So I never thought of a future for myself. And so today I know we have to kind of guide them to that place where they can see they have a future and they can be anything they want to be. And we are going to help them get to that place. Um so, yeah, we have counseling, we have survivor-to-survivor mentor, survivor mentorship, and group therapy, and just everything that I think, anything, I'm a, I'm a, a visionary, so if I think of something new, I'm going to
0: add it. <laughs> I, I was just going to ask if you have um, service dogs. That is on my list, <laughs> actually. <laughs> and because that, that is often a way, that that's unconditional love. As you as you I already have, know. Yeah. And and has helped a lot of people that I'm aware of. That's fantastic. And I, I have to ask this, how do
1: you find these children? Are they referred to you? Yes. So we I work with the local police department and other mm-hmm. nonprofits. We all work together. And so our my facility is actually like called a drop off center. Okay. And Or a drop-in center where they come and get the things that they need. And they'll either go back to a safe house or, you know, if they're already living in an apartment but just need that extra help, then that's what we're doing is to help them live life successfully.
0: And I imagine not everyone is able to receive the message at the same pace. Yes. I imagine you really have to work with them at their own pace, because there is no one size fits all for
1: this kind of trauma. No, for sure. And I I feel like that's what part of what gives me an edge is because when I do talk to them, they're not just talking to a counselor or somebody who has never experienced it. They, once I share with them that I completely know what they've been through, maybe our situations were different, but I understand. Um, I think it opens a door of immediate, um, like, we're on the same page, we can talk through this, you know, it helps open those doors for them to communicate. Well, I would think that they think nobody can understand it,
0: unless right. they've been, been through, through it. it. Yeah. And so when they hear your story, I imagine that is unlocked so much for people, because otherwise, they couldn't possibly have even put the words to it, because the words would seem ugly to them if they're in that frame of mind. When to you, It's a door opener. They just handed you a key when they
1: hear your story and you're able to help them open their heads and their hearts. Yes, 100%. And I've had girls that have said, you know, they get angry when people are trying to counsel them because they're like, they say they understand, but they don't, you know.
0: Well, I think it's pretty unique. And I think it wouldn't be easy to listen to somebody, you know, tell you what to do if they didn't fully understand Or have worked with young children for a very long time. Um, I commend what you're doing. And we will talk further, but make sure that you remember lovemissions.net, which is Tina's organization, and the coffee was Pallet Coffee? Yeah, Pallet Coffee Brewery. Excellent.
1: It's been on CNN. They could Google it. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Well, they'll find it at your website
0: then. We have our final break, and then we'll return and learn a little more about today's work that Tina is doing, and we will be right back after this short message. Stay with us. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages.
3: Are you afraid of? I had a friend who was scared to use a toothpick. I guess I never realized that more people choke on toothpicks than anything else. What's a word for the fear of pointed objects? Eichmophobia. genophobia is the fear of choking. I don't think any of us are afraid of vending machines, but more than 10 fatalities occur each year from people shaking them. A more common fear is peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. I've never been able to figure out why, except I just found out peanuts are common ingredients used in making dynamite. What's the word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? Arachibutrophobia. It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. I just came from Kansas, where we celebrated my mother-in-law's 100th birthday. She summed up the event with a big smile as she exclaimed, I made it! According to Pew Research, there are about 7.4 centurions for every 10,000 adults. A super centurion is a person who is 110 or more. The highest life expectancies in the world are found in Monaco, followed by Japan and Singapore. The U.S. is not even in the top ten. If you're an ubermensch, that's a person who is in control of their own destiny, and would like to increase your odds of living longer, you can always move to the town of Atroli on the Mediterranean coast. In this small village south of Naples, Italy, over one-third of the population are over 100 years old. It's Marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back. Let's talk further, Tina, about we, we don't want to just blithely jump from, okay, someone is referred to us and we move on and then they're a survivor and they're empowered. Talk about what it looks like, this rehabilitation, when someone first comes into you. I'm sure there's a, a definite and delicate protocol to, to working with these
1: uh, girls or women. Yes. And um, it doesn't I try to tell people because I have people all the time that say they want to come and help and they want to work with the ladies, you know, and Mm -hmm. and I say it's not a a fuzzy feeling at the beginning. (laughs) You know, it doesn't they're not going to be like, oh, I'm here and I just want to love you. And we wrap our arms around each other and skip into on the yellow brick road. It's not like that. And so it takes patience, endurance and a lot of love. And that's exactly what happened with me. With my husband, he was that person for me—that um, walked that journey with me. So what we do today is we know that it's a journey. And so when they mm-hmm. come, they're sometimes they're angry that they think um, because some a lot of times it could be um, the trafficker they think is their boyfriend. You know, he's
2: manipulated
1: Mm -hmm. their mind and it started with grooming and getting them to that place that they're attached to the trafficker and yeah he may have 10 girls or more but they still think that's their boyfriend he's the one that's been supplying the things that they need you know housing and um, food and so he's got control over their mind and manipulates them so it takes a kind of a brain unbrain (laughs) washing you gotta gotta get them to understand that they're a deep
0: programming
1: yes and, um, that is how it starts. I, I'm working with a young lady right now who, um, she didn't know she was a victim. I mean, she thought she was coming to me for help to get a job. And, and as we started talking about it, she was in foster care, which happens a lot. Yes. Um, and then as she grew in foster care and didn't have love, then, you know, there was this guy that came into her life and she had never done drugs before, but then he introduced her to drugs and, you know, she, telling her how much he loved her. And as the, it progressed, you know, starting getting her addicted to drugs. And then pretty soon she's on the street prostituting for him. Mm -hmm. And when I talked to her, she said it was all her fault. You know, she's the one that got mixed up with the wrong guy. But I said, do you understand that's what traffickers do? They make convince you that they're in love with you and you're in love with them and keep building this relationship up until They've got you doing what they wanted you to do. So you went into the relationship thinking this is your lifelong love. He went into the relationship knowing that he's going to get you on the street. That was his whole goal. And um, once I started talking with her, she just started breaking down and realized that she was a victim of being of trafficking. She has she has a big tattoo across her neck, and so she mm-hmm. felt like. I'm never going to be worth anything, and I'll never have value. I'll never be anything to anybody. And as we started the work, it took a long time of breaking down and having her realize she's a victim first, and then Mm -hmm. let's walk this path together. But today we're getting her tattoo removed, and she doesn't have to carry that around with her, which was everything. She looks in the mirror. That's what she sees, you know, and um, we have the Justice Department working with her to get her record clean because she was obviously um, picked up for drugs and prostitution because the trafficker is not going to be the one out on the line. He puts his he puts his girl out on the street. Right. So she's the one picked up. And so now the Justice Department is working to get her um, records expunged and and she's getting a whole brand new life like she's a completely different person than when she walked through the door, but it's a process and you have to be willing to walk that journey with them. And sometimes they leave and your heart I was just is going to sp- ask that yeah. Do do any. Yes, just they walk back. away and say, oh, yeah. this isn't for me. Yeah, they do. And your heart is broken and you have to, again, remind yourself, You, I'm not in control of that person. Well, I don't want to be in control of her. I want her to have her own control of her life. And so you have to let them go. But what's cool, sometimes they don't come back, but sometimes they do. And sometimes it takes two or three times before you're actually able to um, get the, that light bulb to come on that they can live a better life. Sometimes, is it also about trust? It is about trust and also value. So... Um, feeling that they're worthless you can't it's hard to retrain your mind that you do have worth so it's a combination of trust and worth what you deserve
0: that is is huge because when they come to you if they're young I would imagine that the process goes a little smoother but if you're older and have been on the streets for years, I imagine there's a lot of uh Callus built yeah.
1: up. Yeah, for is sure. Is that accurate? Yes. I, I don't is. know
0: what I'm talking about. So I want yeah. you to correct me if I'm <laughs> yes, wrong.
1: Yes, no, you are correct. And also, teenagers are really hard. <laughs> They're really hard because, you know, they norm- are in general. You no, know, right. yes, as a normal teenager, they want to, you know, they think they have their life in control. But then when right. you add trauma into it, they, there becomes a very hardness and, uh, like nobody's going to tell me what to do. And, um, it takes, a, it takes a lot of love and, um, perseverance for sure. And, um, it takes, a, it takes time. Um, but it does happen. And there is successes and I'm so thankful for that. Cause those one successes can, that's what you got to hold on to, you know, mm-hmm. because making a difference in one is worth it, you know, worth it for the one.
0: Oh, it absolutely is. Uh, <laughs> I think that what you're talking about is um, it's easier to see when you paint a picture of how someone behaves, acts, um, is receptive or not receptive. And I'm certain that you have different people who have different approaches in your organization so that you get a read on things. And over the years, you know how to draw them in the best way possible. Am I, I right? Do
3: my, I do my
1: best. <laughs> um, I <laughs> no. yeah, I've had people like, you know, kids, even kids that cuss you upside down the other and don't want your help. And you have to just know that they're coming from a place of hurt and trauma and continue to love them. There's some people that can't, they're like, they don't want help. And, you know, just give up on them. And I tell them you can't ever I will never give up on anybody because Uh I, I was given up on, I didn't have a future. My husband's the one that didn't give up on me and showed me, well, had that patience with me. And we have to have that patience. We have to never, never, ever, ever give up. And because eventually that hardness will break. And once it breaks, then you can do the work.
0: I'm. I know there's no one answer to this, but is there a period of time that it tends to take, you know, six months, two years, three years?
1: Is there a range? No, it, it really depends on each person and, okay. and depends on the the trauma that they've held. You know, it could have, you know, maybe they just got maybe it just happened and it was only um, one time or, mm-hmm. you know, they were exploited online or not in person. Maybe they took videos and were exploited that way. So it just, it just depends on the type of trauma, the type of exploitation and then the per the individual person, because even like with me, I don't know if you know this, but only five percent make it out of this life and live mm-hmm. successfully. Five percent. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of five percent. That's not a very that's not a very good statistic. We have to we have to expand that to a hundred percent. Well, first off, we have to get rid of trafficking. And then right, <laughs> if right. It's going on. We want to we want to have higher statistics of higher success. So it's hard. It's a hard it's a hard place to work, and it's a hard place to go into but I'm so thankful for all those I tell anybody like your friend that you talked about that is working in this field to help it it means so much to me because we need more and more and more people to come on board and and help in this horrific
0: and you know it's so interesting with all the censorship of political things but no one is I shouldn't say no one because some of them are coming down but there's a whole dark web filled with exploitation videos and advertising for these children and youth and it is appalling i I think parents also need to be aware of what their children are watching which apps they are using why are they on those apps because some of them are known to be grooming apps for child exploitation and so i don't think we can live in la la land anymore this is too widespread and it's too too many people and too many lives lost and childhood trauma can if not treated and helped become adult trauma and it it then spreads and it's a cycle that is not positive but what is positive is if you can save those five percent that's
1: amazing yeah yeah we have to do it together it takes a village for sure and
0: absolutely does So tell again how to get in touch with you and your organization, how to donate to your organization and, and just how to be aware of this more. We'll give that phone number out again, but
1: tell, but tell the URL for your organization Uh again. It's lovemissions.net and you can also find Pallet Coffee Brewery and, um, just, You know, yeah, so get a hold of us. We can do, to help kids, we do trainings for parents and training for kids how to stay stay, safe online. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do freedom bags, which are um, handmade bags, um, survivors helping survivors. They sew them, and then we give them to another survivor that's coming off the street, and um, you can donate to that. Or, of course, um, cash is always awesome because we can do anything (laughs) with that. (laughs)
0: Well and I have a feeling you run a pretty lean shop because your fervor for this is so apparent and the need is so great and and getting greater and the more people that become aware of this issue it's not in the dark corners anymore it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And I don't think people think often of parents prostituting their children. I mean, oh, yeah, you, But that is, but as you said, 45% is family members.
1: Yep, yep. And it ha- yes, it happens a lot. And so everyone can have their eyes open. I always say, you know, now that you know, you can't unknow it. So now, now it's your turn to just keep your eyes open and say something if you see something. And share that phone number again. 888-3737-888. I've got it
0: memorized. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> now, Tina, thank you so much for sharing that story. I know that isn't easy to tell it, even though I know you've told it before. Yeah. And Love Missions, that has an S on it, Love Missions plural, dot net, is the organization. And you can find out all ways of finding out information, knowing how to help. You can donate. And you can make a difference by just keeping your eyes open. We don't have to stare down at our phones every minute of the day. Be aware of where you are and the people around you, and you just might be able to make a difference. Tina, thank you for sharing. Thank you so much for having me on. Our pleasure. Make it a great week. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.
2: Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have.